Luke 22, 1 through 23. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell him the master of the house. And tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished, prepared there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had um, eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as, as it has been determined, but woe to that man who, by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which, is one, of, which one of them it could be who was going to do this. Thank you, Christy. Good morning, everyone, once again. It's good to see all of your faces and I see some names there as well, some new people. Welcome once again to Christ Covenant Presbyterian Church. Um, today is our first time we're doing all the elements of our service, and I do hope that you are enjoying this time as we continue to worship our Lord and our Savior. A special thanks to uh, Eric and Chris. Uh, they are working hard behind the scenes to make sure that all the slides come forth and Thanks to Andy as well, as he led us in um, our call to worship in the morning as well. As we continue to look at the Gospel of Luke, we come to the point of the story where we see Jesus's heart um, almost explode with anxiety, fear, expectation. We get to see our Savior in his most human state with the words that he shares and the insights that he has about his role in salvation. Today, what I want to share with you through this passage is, is the love and the sacrifice that our Lord Jesus, well, sacrificed for you and for me. 
in many ways, it's it's sort of like your parents telling you their story of perhaps how they came to the States, how difficult it was for them, for you to look afresh and anew at, at your parents and say, wow, they did indeed sacrifice much for me, much for our family. In the same sort of way today, I want you to have your eyes open and your hearts broken and your hearts rejoicing at the, at the heights of God's love, Jesus's love for you, that you yourself would fall in love with him again. So the Jews were looking for a reason to have Jesus put to death. They were scheming every way possible to have the people rise up against them. Perhaps it's simply the Romans coming to, to arrest him for treason. Perhaps it's simply the Jewish people around him arresting him for, for blasphemy. Whatever it may be, the Jews, the leaders were looking for a way to silence Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Jesus knew that his day was coming. He knew that he would have to die on a cross in order to fulfill the promises of the Old Testament, that the perfect lamb would be slaughtered, that the perfect sacrifice would be made. But before that time came, Jesus was eager to share this meal with his disciples, this feast of unleavened bread, this time of Passover. Now, this time of Passover is, is a very important event to the Israel nation, to the Jewish people. It was one of the festivals that they were to keep each and every year. They were to remember. They were to remember that God had delivered them out of Egypt. They were to remember that that moment of history was the defining moment for them where they saw God's mighty hand at work delivering them from Pharaoh. This was a time where they remember when they crossed the Red Sea that the chariots and the horsemen of the Egyptian army were covered in water and utterly destroyed. This is the moment that they recalled that they were first called that the Son of God, these Israelite people were his children. And this was the beginning of this journey of God being their God and the Israelites being their people. A momentous occasion, something that they will remember year after year after year after year. Not to be forgotten, but to be celebrated. Jesus wanted to remember this time with his disciples. To share a meal together. To remember that they were brothers in the covenant together. To remember that they worshipped that God, that same God, together who delivered them from Egypt and to know that this covenant bond between them consummated in the sharing 
of this meal gave them a spiritual connection and joy that's undescribable to Christ himself. He longed to have fellowship with his disciples. He longed to deep dig deep down and to share in what God has done in history and what God would eventually do through him and through the disciples that were sitting about him. But this Lord's Supper had a new twist to it, did it not? Remember, the purpose of the Passover was to remember deliverance, deliverance from slavery, deliverance from oppression. And Jesus was saying to them, this last supper that we're having, what you remembered as the quintessential event in your history, the, 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 the deliverance from Egypt, that quintessential history is now going to be changed. No longer will you look at the Passover. No longer will you look at your deliverance from, the, from Egypt as the event that defined you. But today, we institute a sacrament for you to remember now the most important event in all of history. Here's bread representing my body. Here's wine representing my blood. Eat, drink. Do this in remembrance of, of me, your Savior who loves you, your Savior who is about to die for you, your Savior who will come back one day in all glory. For this, remember, for this event in history that you are experiencing is now the event, the only event that you need to look back to. For this defines who you are. This is glorious for you and for me. Wherever we are in our lives, we can look back and, and see our own history. But our history is greater than just our own lives, brothers and sisters. Our history and who we are happened over 2,000 years ago. That event, that place, and that time has its ripple effects all through the past, the present, and the future. And we are simply, as his sons and daughters, caught up into that. That no matter what has happened in our lives, that we know that Jesus has secured our deliverance. That Jesus has given us salvation. And that together when you and I, and that day when we're all together, we can finally have communion and share bread and share wine. And say to each other, we do this in remembrance of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. We say that event 
is what has made us whole today. Jesus's love for his disciples was meant to, to Jesus' love for his disciples expressed in sharing this sacrament, this new sacrament with his disciples to bring them closer to his heart, to bring his disciples closer to one another and to rejoice, albeit knowing the gruesome death that he would experience, knowing the suffering that his disciples would experience. But to bring them closer in that suffering that they may rejoice in the day of his resurrection and the day of his return. Our Lord and our Savior, as he longed to have this Passover meal with his disciples, in the same way, longs to know his people. And his death and his resurrection is not simply a death and resurrection where we simply believe and we say that we have faith in God. But this death and this resurrection brings us closer in community with Jesus himself. We can say with certainty, I know Jesus, and Jesus knows me. We can say with certainty that this church, uh, that uh, one of, as one of our children said, to, to be thankful for this church, that we can say, I know my brothers and I know my sisters. And I'm growing and knowing them more and more. And yes, it is the event of the cross and this event of his death that binds us together. We as God's people, we, we, we talk more, we, we, we long to talk not about sort of what happened in the Georgia football game or, or what happened when we were growing up, but we, we, we long to talk more about what Jesus did for us. For it's his work that binds us together. Praise God. Praise Jesus for his longing to know you and to know me. But within this passage, there's there's another running narrative that's, that works through here. And this narrative has always, um, I mean, you always respect Jesus, right? But, but this running narrative really shows me, and I think it shows all of us, the depths of Jesus' love and his patience. Among the disciples, there was one who, was, who would betray him, Judas Iscariot. We don't know exactly why he did it. We know that he, he took some silver, he took some shekels, right, to betray Jesus. And here is Jesus sitting amongst his disciples with Judas there as well, brothers and sisters pouring out his heart and sharing this meal with all of them. Knowing that Judas would get up and go and betray him. 
And yet Jesus still went on with the meal with joy, with anxiety, with disappointment. In the midst of his heart and his mind, you could see the, 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 the plethora of thoughts that were going on in his head. And yet as he held all these things in tension, never did he sin. But he only rejoiced in the disciples he was with. And he was saddened. Woe, woe to that person through whom this would all occur. And here Jesus was with Judas of Iscariot. Now what's even more interesting here though is that besides Jesus, no one had any idea who the betrayer was going to be, no one. Think about that, no one. It says at the end of the chapter, they were, they were talking about who, who's gonna be the one who's gonna betray Jesus, who, who could it be? And the reason being is because, you know, Judas wasn't sitting around there, you know, saying stuff like, you know what? I don't think we should follow this Jesus guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. We don't see in the gospels, Judas going around saying, you know what? This guy is not the Messiah. Why, are we, why do we keep following him? Most likely, or I say definitely, Judas looked just like that. When he was sent out, when the disciples were sent out to do miracles, he did miracles. When they were sent out to teach and to, to watch demons uh, come out of people, Judas casted out demons. And so here was someone who looked just like one of them. And he was able to betray the one who loved him. I'm amazed at Jesus' heart. For how many of us, mere mortals, if we love someone, and for years and years and years, they demonstrated the fruit of that love, And at the most crucial moment of your life, all of a sudden betrayed you. How difficult it is to, to forgive, to have pity, to lament, to not act revenge, and to still love and to carry on. But that is what Jesus did. In the midst of his betrayal, he carried on.
we often think that the life of Jesus, that he doesn't understand our plight. But no, no, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus understands everything about us without sinning. Sometimes we think that the only thing Jesus did was come down from heaven and he sort of lived this life that is sort of just bland and just sort of died on the cross and was able to secure salvation for us. But we forget that he was tempted in every way. We forget that he can sympathize with us in every way, yet without sin. I want you to see Jesus as fully man and fully God. But today I want you to see his humanness. And to know that whatever you're going through, Jesus knows and Jesus understands. The heights of communion with a brother and sister in Christ perhaps betrayal at the worst possible moment. Perhaps all of this at the same time. Jesus knows what it's like. And Jesus knows how your heart is beating with confusion and beating with anxiety and beating with uncertainty. But in the midst of that, what did Jesus celebrate? The Passover, inaugurating the Lord, changing it and inaugurating the Lord's Supper. For us to remember that no matter how crazy things go, it is this event the suffering, the death, the life, and the death of Jesus that will always define us. That whatever storms may come afterwards, that event of Jesus will cover it all and bless his people. So, brothers and sisters, if Jesus himself had to look back to the Passover, if Jesus himself had to inaugurate this new sacrament for us, for him and his disciples to remember, how much more do we need to do the same? I long for the day where we can gather and eat the bread and drink the wine together. It's a blessing that God has given us. But in its stead, for the time being, let us call each other to that event, to Jesus' love. And may that give us strength to carry on in this life. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in all things. There truly is nobody like you. More often we think that we're all alone in our lives. Often we think that no one understands 
the difficulties of relationships, but you do. You truly do. You inaugurated a new point in history by sharing this Passover meal, by transforming it into the, into the sacrament of, of the Lord's Supper, by reminding your disciples who are sitting there, even the one that was to betray him, that this event was a special event. And Lord, how amazing it is to see your obedience with your conflicted heart, your weary heart, that you can walk faithfully step by step. And so we come to love you more, Savior. We come to lay more of our lives to you. We come to understand more and more, not only of, of our sins, but the, the heights of your love and your grace for us. So help us, Lord, to walk with you. Help our affections, Lord, to beat for you and you alone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.